had one love, okay? Thanks for tuning in to us. The Eminem Show. Eminem. 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 Show. <laughs> Here we are. Oh. Here we are. Yeah, there's no intro now. Okay, all right. Oh, I was trying to I get down. I mean, heat. I like that silent interlude, though. That was kind of <laughs> like... That's kind of dope. Well, welcome, everyone, to the M&M Show. This is our very first live broadcast. I am Nikki MG, and I'm here with the one and only Molly Rulin. What's up, Molly? What up, though? Hey, hey, hey. And I'm here with the metaphysical, the J Mills. J, 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 J Mills. What? <laughs> yes. What? We are uh, live and fresh here at the One Love Massive Creative Factory. Yes, yes. Once again. Yes. And what is this now? So we've had uh, two or three podcasts published. Well, so we've recorded like five, but we yes. published three. And then we decided to go live. Live. Yes. Because that's the way to go. Because we're just so... <laughs> Much more dynamic Cause, and fabulous. Because we are live. You we know are saying? live. People, yes. People like to watch. That <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking the truth. Always speaking the truth. So for those of you who are tuning in for your first time, uh, this is the Eminem show, and uh, basically it's the three of us queens, and we we're having some story time. We're talking about our lives, our perspectives on a whole host of different issues um, on local culture. We talk about business, and then we always get metaphysical. Yes. And so um, that's my favorite part of the show. You got to stay to the end to get metaphysical with. The one and only Jay Mills. Soul food. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get metaphysical, today we're going to have story time. And, uh, you know, I want to talk. Uh, well, first of all, we're going to talk about DACA. What's what's happening um, in the country. But before we talk about that, uh, we like to talk about issues from a really personal space. And, um, you know, so we're going to talk about immigration today and what that means to the three of us who um, are not recent immigrants, but at some point our families were in some way or another. So we want to start there, indeed, um, and just really talk about like what what is what does this mean? What what actually is happening, and and what does that mean in our personal lives? So um, I'm going to start with Molly. Molly, uh -oh. I know that uh, Miss Ruland, you are of Irish descent. Yes, I. So tell us a little bit about uh, your family history. When did uh, your your Irish family uh, first immigrate here? Um, so actually, uh, I, I text my mom last St. Patrick's Day, and I said, so how Irish am I? You know, like, what's the stats? And so all of my ancestors came from Ireland. Uh, they uh, came originally from four different rivers in Ireland and are represented by different Celtic river gods and, and things of that nature. Uh, but my great-grandparents came to uh, the United States from Ireland, both on my mom and my dad's side. So my uh, great-grandfather, uh, uh, great-grandparents on my mother's side were bartenders uh, and entertainers, or entertainers and bartenders. And then my uh, great-grandparents on my father's side were bartenders and bootleggers. So this is just two generations <laughs> ago? Yes. Okay. Yes. In fact, my grandfather owns uh, owned a bar in uh, Brooklyn, uh, New York on uh, Third Avenue, uh, the Poor House. Do you know around when, like, 
they founded it or like what year this was? You know, I don't. And I mean, we were raised super Irish. We definitely did like the Irish dancing thing and Kaylee's and Feshes and all that. And so we were um, super duper Irish and we always respected our, our heritage and our ancestry in that sense. Like I played very Irish instruments and like, I mean, it's very, you know, submersive in the Irish culture. But I don't know a ton about my actual family lineage. And I think it has a lot to do with the bartending and the bootlegging that I mentioned. <laughs> uh, but we were some epic motherfuckers. And so I know that my um, my grand, my dad's side, they moved to New York. And my grandma, my mother's side, they moved to Philadelphia, uh, fresh off the boat, you know. And they, uh, apparently my mom's side, grand grandparents had a... Uh, like a boarding home, like hostel hotel for entertainers and wayward souls in Philadelphia that apparently still stands. So I actually need to, I need to look more into that. Yeah. Um, so I've always, you know, celebrated my like Irish heritage and definitely did a bunch of super Irish shit as a kid that separated me from, from everyone else. But, you know, in Ireland, you know, our struggle is very different. It's Irish versus, uh, you know, or Catholic versus Protestant. So it's a whole lot of people that look exactly like each other throwing bombs at each other in the street. So, you know, it's just a different, um, it's a whole different, you know, uh, experience and history. Uh, and as a, as a kid, you know, kudos to my parents. They, inv they started this program um, or were involved in this program called Children of the Crossfire where they would take a kid or two kids from Dublin every summer, uh, a Catholic kid and a Protestant kid, and they would pat put them in the United States in like homes. That's cool. And uh, so they would take them out of this war zone. Cause literally you're learning how to make like car bombs when you're 12, you know what I mean? Or younger, like, you know, people that die, like just getting home from school, <clears throat> you're like walking through a war zone. And that's how it was for a long time. Especially, you know, I grew up, uh, I was born in 75. So this is in the, in the mid eighties, you know? So it was a volatile time in, in Ireland. And they did, would you, say, did you live in Ireland? No, I lived here. Okay. But my, my parents involved in this program. So every summer as a kid, there would be a Catholic kid and a Protestant kid Who from Dublin going through living the, in our okay. house. And then all my, you know, parents, friends would have, you know, a set of Irish kids living in their house too. So I definitely understood the, the world a little bigger outside of where I grew up in Falls Church. And, uh, and I always recognize like my Irish heritage more so than my American heritage. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, is why did your, why did your parents, uh, immigrate here in the first place? You know, I don't know. And I, 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 you know, I've, I've been really compelled to ask, you know, my mom and, and my dad more information and even just look up the timelines to try to understand, um, you know, why, what it is that, that drew them from Ireland. You know, I know like on my mom's side, on the entertainer side, um, you know, one of my great, great uncles or something was an entertainer and his tap shoes are actually in the Smithsonian you know, so there was, there was, you know, a lot there. I mean, they came to America and immediately hit the ground running with their illegal and legal operations, you know. Um, so they were capable, intelligent people that decided to come here. Um, and I, I don't know why, you know, so it's, you know. Um, <clears throat> Did they ever talk about uh, struggles or challenges they faced no. when they first arrived? Not at all. Not at all. They never talked about it? No. It's a, it's a weird thing to grow up so submerged in like such a cult like a like specific culture and to know all that um and to not really know anything about your actual family history and 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 a few years ago I tried to do the ancestry.com thing and then I realized very quickly that I wasn't going to figure shit out because I didn't even know my grandparents like names or middle names like you have to give the machine some information to find your parent you know your your lineage 
And I realized very quickly I didn't know any of it, and it was very hard to find that, you know. And I don't know if that's because, um, you know, landing here as an Irish uh, man or woman, you know, at that time uh, was equally difficult, and we all kind of hit the ground running because I think that's what my family instilled in me, even though they're very hands-off. They taught me to be very independent and capable. Um, and I think that was really more the mission of, like, dexterity and longevity and a strong constitution than necessarily maybe remembering where we came from? I don't know. You know, those, these are all questions that I will be asking my mom the next time I speak to her because I've been actually giving this a lot of thought, you know? Yeah, we want to hear more about it. Me too. I will update you. What's, as this, the, what's the story of the Ruland family? That's right. Well, we all know <laughs> we liked alcohol and throwing parties. So I feel like, <laughs> if nothing else, you know what I mean? I am a true testament to, to that. My my lineage, you know, yes. it's in my genes to throw parties. So you feel, do you, would you say you feel very Irish more, you had said earlier, you feel very Irish more so than American or? For sure. I mean, not necessarily now. I don't know if, I mean, I like, I definitely have a pride. Like, I respect being an American from a sense that, like, when this country was founded, a lot of people, you know, left their homes and knew that they were most likely going to die and probably never going to see their family again or talk to them in hopes of something better. And that's what a lot of America was founded on a lot. You know, a lot of the reason why the people that chose to come here, why they chose to come here, you know? I mean, at one point, 70% of Norway left Norway and came here and taught us how to log. Like, the original settlers of the United States were all people were like, fuck this shit, there's something better, you know what I mean? And I'm going for that. And so it also explains why America is so narcissistic and also has more entrepreneurs per capita than any other country because we all, you know, not we all, but a lot of people, you know what I mean, generations ago made that choice to come here, you know? Um, how they were treated when they got here is a different story, and plenty of people were brought here against their will. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, um, on uh, on the very basis of what America is, you know, like there's some sense of patriotism, but in the, the America that I live in and that I witness every day, it's really difficult to feel patriotic when it's a system based on oppression and inequality. I hear that. Um, I think I have felt like that at times. Um, I think I was thinking about this the other day, even now with Trump in office, you know, and things with all of the police shootings with what just happened in Charlottesville, just all this shit every single day. Um, I still feel extremely American and that's just because like I grew up here and I think I'm. I, I'm still proud to be an American, and I I know that every country has its fucked up issues. You know, no place is perfect, and our shit may be worse than other places, but um, it's our shit to fix, um, you know? Uh, and so I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of making the shit better. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to hold motherfuckers accountable, um, you know, and talk about it. Uh, so enough about me for now. In the meantime, Molly, thanks for telling us a little bit uh, about your uh, family history. Uh, Jay Mills, you are a 
native Washingtonian, as they like to say, yes. uh, from this area. Tell me a little bit about your family's background. When did y'all uh, come to Washington, D.C.? How many generations ago? My parents went to Howard. Whoop, whoop. H.U. Bison. You, you know. know. <laughs> um, <laughs> they went to medical school together. They're doctors. My father was from Atlanta, the Atlanta area, Ellenwood, Georgia, to be specific. My mom's from Houston. Um, my history on, on both my parents' side is interesting, you know, being blackity black, black, black. <laughs> um, my uncle, uh, shout out to my uncle Horace, Alexander Young the Third. <clears throat> and serious coming, name. Yeah, man, he's an awesome, amazing musician. Uh, traveled all around the world. He's a master woodsman. I said woodsman, woodwind um, musician, and he had the urge to really do our family tree and and finding out a lot of amazing things about our family. You know, like it's it's a it's a documentary worthy film to different sides. Uh, through my mother's side. My mother's mother and father, through her father's side, we found out that I was Yoruba. Um, through my her mother's side, as Native American and Chinese, very Native American. My mother knew her Native American grandparents. Um, her great grandfather's name was Spear. That's dope. And uh, one of the, she talked about how when her parents were looking for a home in Houston. They they came from like Waco. They were in the middle of the state. When they moved to Houston, they were like, why would you live here? The big water's going to rise. Mm. And, you know, my parents were like, you know, we're not by the coast. What are you talking about? And they're like, mm. <laughs> I wouldn't live no matter where they chose. My Native American grandparents were like, nah. But um, finding out through that lineage, because my grandmother chose to marry someone who was black. You know, I have cousins that live on the reservations and stuff like I have a whole Native American side. But back then, if that was the choice that you made, you couldn't take the black side with you. Um, So just finding out these things about my heritage, finding out what it is to be Yoruba, um the art and the music and the spirituality that comes along with that specific tribe, the whole ocean, the, the waters, it just, it made so much sense. There was so much of a blank. <laughs> That's why you're so magical. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've always known it. I've always said it. My parents have always said it, you know, we've, we've known that we were Royal, but when it comes to be discovered that they systematically and purposefully got, some of the best Africans on purpose, you know, they didn't have to teach us how to build anything. They didn't have to teach us masonry. Right, right, they didn't right, have to teach right. us how to farm, how to sew, how to do any blacksmith. Nothing was taught to us. We came to, to teach this information. So switching that to my father's side of the family. I mean, very beautiful women, very, very beautiful women, but known for breeding. You go back and back and we just my family is is really really huge really really huge a lot of siblings a lot of um uh daughter sister same age kind of things 
Or aunt and sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> aunt and daughter is like the same age. <laughs> um, be, but but very beautiful, man. I, I love my jeans. We live really old, but again, like that whole southern side, it just has given me a really rounded kind of perspective in in life you know my parents growing up in this super segregated south um i remember i got into an argument with my parents when my, my mom when i was in like high school i wanted to go to some pool party and she was like no and i asked her well when did you start going to pool parties and she looked and she paused and she realized she's like i didn't get to go to no pool parties mm. times had changed exactly like you didn't go because you couldn't go yeah <laughs> this isn't a grown thing to do you know but in on on all fronts just having this conversation my parents raised me like this is what we came from this is how it was i didn't my father didn't go to seg- uh, integrated schools until he was in the 11th grade you know about juneteenth that's talking about texas they it took them that long they real slow in adjusting mm-hmm. like but my my mother's father was a mason and her parents went to university you know i just feel real blessed to come through that my father's side he his my mom my grandmother's children were the first ones to go to college but they all um all the men are, are super successful the women are really successful uh but that's that first generation <laughs> success but um, that's great. That's wonderful to hear. That's wonderful. Both of you have uh, families who hit the ground running and made it happen, uh, <laughs> despite the difficulty <coughs> of a time of things past. So it's interesting, uh, Jay Mills, your family heritage, you have uh, African descendants who, although it was not explicitly said, most of you watching know the history of America. So um, we're brought here um at some point uh as slaves and then you have another side of your family who are native american who were here before anybody else and then yes enslaved and then when they fought back they were like okay well y'all have to go into these little tiny areas after massacring a lot yes chinese railroad workers and chinese railroad yes yes um (laughs) which we you know people people don't talk about uh enough what has happened to asian immigrants and uh workers in this country um so uh it is and then we have molly whose uh family uh, came from Ireland who although she is not 100% sure um, I'm going to assume probably left to escape some kind of of uh, trouble in the homeland either with religious persecution For or sure. food shortage uh, right. issues you know we um, love our potatoes so when those ran short you know we, about that yeah we, we made moves <laughs> in other locations but I'm guessing that if in the mid 80s things were as tense as like children throwing homemade bombs at each other in the streets and i can't imagine you know earlier in the history it was much more peaceful but uh yeah that's what the u2 album war yeah exactly it's uh yeah it's pretty intense it was super cool that program to see those kids be able to bond together and realize Mm -hmm. that they were fighting someone else's war you know yeah also you know after reconstruction there was this huge push word to the statute of liberty um to invite 
Europeans to America to be the workforce to stop African Americans from taking all the jobs. Give me your poor. Give me your tired. Give me your hungry. They put a call out. And word to what we're about to talk about right now yeah. with this DC is not all immigrants. Yeah, we, no. Word to I remember Ilian Gonzalez, and oh I remember not God. understanding what the whole big deal was, but just right. <laughs> that poor some child. immigrants are welcome, some are not. Yeah, you come from the Dominican Republic, you cool. You come from Haiti, sending you back. Right. So I wanna I wanted to give a little bit more mm. talk about this just a context a little bit more before we just jump into it because uh, this is a personal <laughs> show. Um, we didn't we we didn't explicitly talk about it, but underneath both of your stories, um, you know, uh, there's a there there is struggle, right? Like um, the history of of slavery. Um, I'm, I'm, there's pain in there. There's pain in adjusting. Um, the history of Native Americans, there's pain in that. There's pain in the adjustment of uh, your culture being uh, taken, transformed without your will. Um, in the history of Irish immigrants here, uh, it's to my knowledge that you know the first Irish immigrants that came here. It's not like people were like, "Yay, Irish folks are here!" Like yeah, y'all no, we were like uh, the quote unquote niggers of white people. <laughs> um, I'm allowed to say it. Molly's yeah, not. no, no, no. I'm just gonna <laughs> laugh awkwardly. <laughs> um, it was pretty you know, horrible, yo. Shout um, out to the Irish struggle for real. I mean, for you know, real. and the struggle at home. You know, the war there too, like that. That's not easy on anybody. For sure, um, because this is like religious battle and you're fighting someone who looks exactly like you that lives five miles away. Yeah. Like it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, not that any war does or look, somebody looking like you justifies it or different than you justifies it. Mm -hmm. But like what a confusing thing, you know, to be fighting someone who... And then, well, especially from Ireland, like, it's a long fucking way away from the United States. Right, you so know? just getting like, here alone. Getting here is a battle, right? There's probably a mortality rate of, you know, close right. to half just to get your ass here without dying on the boat. Exactly, or and we know how many black people died on the Middle Passage going across here. So that's a struggle. And yeah. then, you know, so people, like one of you said before, people put their lives at stake in order to get to somewhere better mm -hmm. um to, to yeah people put their lives at stake to get to america whether they wanted to or not um right it's a perilous journey then um and it still is today so um i worked as a restaurant worker organizer for many years i had the privilege and honor of hearing a lot of stories from immigrant workers um right here in the washington dc area and what they and their families went through um coming from el salvador mexico um and just how tough it is to you know depending on how they came here uh, travel by foot, be cramped up in a truck, uh, be cramped up for days, you know, not exactly sure where you are or where your next meal is coming from, uh, being afraid of being caught by uh, ice and, uh, and all kinds of other, getting entangled with all kinds of other uh, unsavory uh, types of uh, 
business transactions and whatnot along the way. Right. Um, and then when you actually cross the border, depending on where you're at, like you're in a new place, you may not speak this language. Um, you, and then you're entering America. Let's think about that. You know, like the three of us were desensitized to it because we've grown up here. But, you know, if you live somewhere outside of here and you're seeing uh, police murdering black people every day, you're seeing uh, you're seeing the same stuff we are. You're seeing students being massacred, children. Right. Um, you know, like, is this really a place that you're like, oh, yeah, they really respect people there. I'm going to come here and be safe. So like you, depending on where you land, which typically is going to be nowadays, if you're Latino going to be in the South of America, you're entering places like Arizona, not friendly. You're entering places like Texas, not friendly. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you have to get through that and then maybe you have a family member here. Maybe you don't, maybe you have a connection in some community in New York or Washington, DC or wherever. Right. Um, so you have to treach, treach your way through this country to get where you're going. And then once you get there, let's say you're coming here to Washington, DC, the cost of housing is fucking outrageous bananas um you if you don't have a proper identification you're not getting any housing or any job to begin with like there's a lot of hurdles it takes to live quote unquote here um and so people go through all that you know for sure but you know maybe compared to other places you know because i don't i just don't think we're being broadcasted everyone else's life the way the american life is uh is broadcasted you know and so i think that like if we saw how everybody lived every day in other places it would be different but what's broadcast you know i mean maybe even from other places trump is still better than i mean venezuelans venezuelans <laughs> wow. would take trump over their president right now i'll maybe. tell you that i mean i'm not a trump don't like let the record reflect yeah, i am not right. yeah. defending or supportive of trump i'm just saying I bet you some Venezuelans would rather live in America right now than in Venezuela, you know, because it's like a state of political unrest and and riots over there nonstop. I am not educated to speak on that issue. I'm going to trust you by default here. (laughs) Sweet. But Venezuela's been fucked up since Chavez died. uh, And it's they've been in like literally in riot status for like over 100 days. I mean, actually, since last year, like almost a year. Disruptive force to the world. I mean. As as we've been having this conversation, you know, I stay on the metaphysical tips. Stay what, what? on on some Somebody's on some deeper it. thoughts. You know, I I realize the paradigm shift. You know, I meditate on on the culture that is the true mother culture of the earth. You know, what is indigenous? Why do they make a separation between that? What were we like before there were passports? How did we travel? Right. Where were you from? Right. When? Why did you right. go? We traveled this whole <laughs> planet. Exactly. This whole planet. You wanted to leave? You fucking make a ship. The right. Fuck? Just that sail. Learn how to walk real good. Now you know? there's all these laws that are like tainted with and racism and xenophobia, do, economics. How do they have the authority? Because I mean, they have the guns. That's basically yeah, it. That. If you break it, it's pirate. We are being ruled by pirates. And the more we realize that, and you have to dig real deep, and it sucks because for things to change, everything must change. But the pirates and puritans that's what this is they came they killed loot plunder 
And now they want to make rule. What, what do you expect? Like the face, the true face of America is being shown. And we have to deal with well, what is America and, and how much of this do we want? What can we say goodbye to? We are outgrowing the kingdom of America. And that's a fact. It cannot sustain the people. There's not enough welfare. There's not enough. They can't. We already pulled a jig by printing our own money. But the jig is up. Why do we get to print our own money? Who who says that? Who sets what a dollar is worth against another currency? And with all these cryptocurrencies, right? And these, the, the jig is fucking up. I'm trying to get hip. If you're listening and you know about cryptocurrencies, please <laughs> hit me up. Bitcoins yeah. and other cryptocurrencies. Let's talk about We've it. We've already set it up. The moment we decide, I mean, but what is currency? You know, people don't even really think about economics. What is what is worth anything? The moment a disaster happens, how good are your dollars? Yeah, especially if you can't get to them. If the power goes out and all your money's in the bank Suddenly, and the bank is on fire and there's no electricity, your ATM and your money in the bank don't mean shit. It's always been an illusion. What are we you play with do? money all the time. You go to a casino and you give them money and they give you chips. And they tell yeah. you these chips are worth this much. So you, if it's all an illusion, yeah. if the if the economics of, of the system, it's all an illusion, then why all the bullshit about daca let's bring it back to daca because right? they want to flex they realize that they're losing their power at the same time that he's doing that it's like watch the hand while you don't see three thousand malls close while uh, you don't see that the whole budget for our infrastructure as a country is being bankrupt like we're gonna talk about daca when we have a hurricane on the yeah. way to the east coast of America and Trump just rescinded the flood government protection. Like it's 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 crazy. Like who what America are we trying to keep people in or out of? This the right. whole shit's about to crumble. I'm trying to get out. And it's it's fucked up because it gets you emotional. It gets you very emotional and you forget like the core shit. Like, yo, do you have water in your house? You know? Are are we ready? We talked about this before, but like, man, North Korea is uh, <laughs> like testing <laughs> bombs and shit. There's so many there's other a lot things going on going right now. On there's, in the world. there's a lot going so, on right now. So, can we talk about for one second about go bags? Do you have a go bag, lady? Do you have a go bag? I have a go bag. What's what's that? Okay, so a go bag <laughs> is like a bag that you prepare that yeah. is like in case the shit goes down. Oh, you better be ready. We bag. talked about this before. We did, yeah. but we haven't followed through on this. No, we I haven't. think that for yeah, next week I our... started putting I got a big ass Tupperware joint that uh -huh. has a top to it uh -huh. and I've been putting different books in there that have like like this plant book that has like 14,000 different plants that you can identify and eat in nature. That would be helpful. And uh, another book. Definitely helpful. Yeah, man. Waterproof and shit. What? So I'm putting a case of water in there. I'm putting yeah. like random food cans. What would like, you put in your go bag? Oh my gosh. That's such a great question. What goes in the go bag? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, I already said what's in there now, but what else? We talked about this last no, time. No, we didn't, because it, it has to be a slight time capsule, a bit, but it also has to be functional. Well, as you fun. have to. So survive. taking my knives, like my kitchen knives, all that can opener, wine key. See, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm weed saying. and kind bars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Batteries. 
flashlight. Weed, weed seeds. Yeah, I had batteries. Weed had seeds. seeds. And water. What do you think of the future, metaphysical mm-hmm. mills? Yeah, man. Gotta take your seeds, yo. That's right. Put them wherever you gotta put them. So that's Lighter a good idea. Some put some seeds in the bag. Waterproof out, matches. Yes. Well, for real, everybody should have a go bag. And a go bag is just like a backpack that you stuff with stuff that if uh, you wake up in the middle of the night and there's a fucking like alarms going off and your ho- the, your neighborhood just got bombed and the shit's really hitting the fan which is a reality for a lot of people all over the world which is why DACA is even a co- conversation right uh, yeah let's bring it back yes. so for people that don't know exactly what DACA is um, it is uh, the deferred action for childhood arrival act I believe mm. so um there were, I'm sure many people have heard of the Dream Act. They've heard of the Dreamers. Um, there's been uh, for for a decade, I think now, uh, young people who were um, who came here uh, as very young children and were basically raised here, uh, um, who whose parents, I guess, were not uh, U.S. citizens. Um, but they themselves have grown up here while you know they don't have the rights as regular citizens in terms of employment in terms of education um in terms of benefits and whatnot and so uh the dream act was a proposal on the table that went through um and i think got declined multiple times uh from congress until finally they uh passed daca i think in 2012 um if i remember correctly um yes which um was uh in many people's opinion a great step forward but a lot of people are also pretty pissed about it because it's just a temporary um, status thing. It's for two years and then you have to keep reapplying uh. um, for it. So it's a very, very temporary thing. You know, um, the 111th, 112th, 113th Congresses have been pretty shitty in my opinion. Um, they've been some of the most conservative, some of those most male, most white um, uh, Congresses like in all of American history, like even even more so than after reconstruction and whatnot it's crazy so um you know it's been a really tough battle for the immigrant community for progressive um congress people um and administrators to get anything uh a concrete positive solution around immigration for folks um but daca has been um something that's been extremely important to young folks and their families um, and also to, we got to talk about it, the American economy. Um, uh, you know, about 800,000 people who have been able to now legally work and contribute right. to the tax base um, and, uh, you know, be productive people um, instead of being not productive (laughs) and unemployed um and you know it's also sent hundreds of thousands of young people onto universities which is great you know let's develop the minds of people and have them you know take our country to even the next level um in all different sorts of fields and so now trump in sessions just trying to repeal it of course this has to go through congress still so um (laughs) 
<laughs> which brings us to another interesting juncture. If you're here listening and you're in Washington, D.C. and you want to know, what the hell can I do? Like, if I believe that dreamers uh, have the right to be here, have the right to work, have the right to education, um, have the right to free the earth uh, freely as we once did without all these, uh, I'm just going to say it, white supremacist bullshit policies, um, then... Because that's what it is. Because that's exactly. what it is. Exactly. <laughs> then, uh, you know, you can call your Congress member, right, and tell them to uh, not repeal DACA, to keep it, to protect the dreamers, to protect young people. And uh, but if you live here in Washington, D.C., I guess you can call Eleanor Holmes Norton, although she doesn't have a vote on anything but she does have power and influence she can have conversations and she can influence uh other maryland and virginia and federal folks so call eleanor um and if you're in dc or if you're in maryland or virginia call your your uh your local congressperson call your senator as well it actually really makes a difference for every one person that called it's supposed to represent like a thousand people or something at least that feels that way so they the i don't know if you've never called your congressperson or your representative do it you'd be surprised at how friendly they are on the phone (laughs) because they know you they you represent your constituent your potential voter um and they're Congress people are always thinking about <coughs> their job, their next their vote, vote. <laughs> or they're getting their next high. I mean, yes. Vote. But there's other things that you can do too, folks. Um, if you go to dreamers.fwd.us, like dreamersforward.us, um, it gives you a background on the legislation. You can actually read um, the Dream Act there, um, but you can also sign a petition, um, and they'll tell you who your congressperson is and all of that. So I I suggest going to that website. There's also other organizations um, like the AFL. CIO who have petitions out um, basically if you're a modern person in the digital world I know some some of us are still analog but <laughs> if you use your innertron um, I'm sure you can find can you repeat the website one more time <laughs> yeah um, it's uh, dreamers.fwd.us Okay. Like dreamers forward. Dreamers.fwd.us. So, <coughs> Putting that in the chat. Yes. Real yeah. quick. Shout out to everybody who's tuned in. I see you, Tia. I see you, Wes. I see you, Roxy. Kenneth. Kenya. Lionel. FWD. Tony. Yes. Javier. Yvonne. <laughs> Shout out to everybody that's tuned in watching us live. Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that I agree with you, ladies. Uh, You know, if you're not hurting people and you want to live somewhere new, whether it's uh, because you got to go or because you want to, uh, you should be able to do that. Yeah, man. I agree. I fully feel that we should travel around the world, man. You already know. Last week. Tune in to last week's episode where I talked about, we talked about yes. being prepared. 
and I'm still about that ship making commandeering. I've had a lot of conversations about that in the last week with people. But you're just gonna go to like PG County. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, where do we say we're going again? Commandeering to like National Harbor in Maryland. No, I would travel the islands around the Caribbean. I wouldn't. I don't know how much of the open, open ocean. But where did you say your family is in Maryland? Fort Washington. Fort Washington. We're going to Fort Washington. Oh man, now the internet knows. Oh my gosh, no, don't go to Fort. Just kidding. We're going to Fort Baker. (laughs) Yes. Fort Baker Drive. So after we have our go bags ready, we're going to commandeer somewhere in Maryland, and then we're going to travel to where the fuck we want to. That's right. And where are we going? Costa Rica. In a dream world, ideally. Where would we I'm going to Jamaica. Shout out to my girl, Tia. I love Jamaica. Oh, my gosh. When I went there, I felt like I was home. I really did. It was just unadulterated african blackness like Mm. it reminded me (laughs) of dc like chocolate city um but in a way that i didn't even know where we were watered down from like Mm. it was just crazy what do you you mean i mean just i think about like you know movies like soul plane soul plane um and before you know Obama, it was a joke, had a state on what it would be like to have a black president. I know. So it's like the idea of black excellence is a joke. But when you go. Not to me. Starting just from my going to Dulles and just seeing Ethiopian Airlines, South African Airlines and these black airlines. And there was nothing soul plain about it. Mm. it just started the jarring and then stepping off that plane out there and just the whole everybody's black of it the billboards are black like (laughs) the watching the commercials um and the tv shows are all ethnic you know the commercials are in the language of the different people that live on that island. Mm. It's, it's so multicultural. Mm. You know, so just seeing all the cultures getting their shine. There was no dominant. It was like, oh, this is in Spanish, and this is in one of the. I don't want to disrespect, but some Indian language. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's Hindi or Bengali or whatever. But anyway, the point is that <laughs> they actually have all of these different ethnicities represented on the few stations that they had on their basic TV. It was so like a trip back in time, but, you know, forward going to Kingston and being downtown in their business district and seeing how you didn't have to code switch, you know, his brothers with locks and whatever that are in a suit, sure, or in a dashiki. Can you define code switching for people that may not be aware? Bradley, <laughs> I'm from Southeast. Before I took theater lessons, my teacher was like, you have a very Anacostian accent. So I learned how to speak with a non-regional dialect. <laughs> and many people of color learn how to code switch. That is, speak without any colloquialisms or type of mark that truly ties you to your upbringing if it is something that may be a little rough on the ears. Or 
Yeah. I'm still yeah. trying to figure out the curse list, you know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. You know. It's the you know, they didn't have they didn't have to. They could be as Jamaican as they wanted to be. Just as bright. All the businesses. It was so easy to, to start a business and everybody had one. Everybody had a business. You just I just respected the hustle. I came back home like you just standing asking for money. What am I just begging for no money out there? Mm. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't dressed like a tourist. Like I, I have seen them try and hit that, but that's only because they know that we go for that. Outside of that, no, they got a hustle. Everybody got a hustle. Okay, if you selling friendship bracelets, little shells that you found, starfish, seen them swimming Something. for it. They <laughs> they got a hustle and they doing it, and that's what they do. It's what they do. It's what they've been doing what it is mm-hmm. and again just black on the money that was what would just trip me out like what marcus garvey bills oh what, what? <laughs> you gotta bring one of, do you have one um you gotta I'm, bring one of those in <laughs> yeah when i come back i'm bringing all the money i just brought back nanny of the maroons a black woman who looks so much like harriet tubman it was amazing but wow. um black money yeah, yeah man. i'm trying to see that yo i've never seen black I mean, money before bahamas has black money is mad black, really? black countries have black money you know i've never been to a black country yo every person of color must go it is like oh, reset <laughs> well i'm supposed to go on my honeymoon to antigua that's where my husband's family is from hey. So I'm excited to go there. Dive like, into it, colorful it, life, yo. But I didn't even think about the money being black. Man, like, it's wow. needed. That's it's powerful. not a joke. Nothing about being a person of color is a joke. Is hood. Is lazy. Is no. It's all hustle. Which it's are also great. unfortunate stereotypes about many immigrants as well. And they're yeah. like working harder it's the running <laughs> than thing. anybody. Like we said in the beginning, all of the work that it takes to get here, however the fuck you got here, that shit was a struggle. I mean, it still is. Like, who in D.C. doesn't have three jobs and works nonstop? I have three jobs. <laughs> exactly. Everybody. Everybody <laughs> does. You know what I mean? Crazy, everybody I does. I mean, I, how do you think? I mean, I've, I've only had the same Lyft driver like less than 10 times and i take lifts all the time all the time i've met so many people Everyone think about has it a side because hustle. everybody has to have a side hustle think yeah. about all the different types of lift drivers you've had old young everybody's got a story because everybody has to have a side hustle or two well that's because the cost of living here in the district is outrageous is and because a lot of times with jobs especially jobs that are available to the immigrant community i'm talking about uh restaurant jobs uh retail jobs uh things in the cleaning and like service industry and that's not to stereotype that's not what every um immigrant community works in but those are the um worker uh communities that i worked in and organized workers in. there's a ton of immigrant workers and um a lot of those jobs um are low wage and don't even offer full-time work anymore there's this trend um to you know especially in big corporations have everyone work part-time because when you have people work part-time you don't have to pay out benefits to them and so it forces you know people get 
one job, you know, for like 20 hours at one place and then they can work 15 hours at another place and they can work 25 hours at another place. And all together, you know, they're working 60, 70 hours, but they don't get any benefits, benefits. no medical benefits, no paid sick days, no vacation times. You're just always fucking working, work and work and work and work and work and work 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 and you know that it exacerbates your your family time it exacerbates your health it exas it Everything. challenges the kind of food that you eat that you have right. time to even put it's into available when you're you know, available to eat yeah. all kinds of stuff so it's like really rough out there on the immigrant community on communities of color on working class people and the thing i think that is like shitty to me is t- the whole thing is shitty like about taking away kids rights to be able to get education and work and like not be deported like live in the fear of random ass deportation like you're having to go back to some country that you you didn't grow up there you know like you're not a base or established there like that's scary as shit for sure you know aside from that shitty part of it um the thing is, too, for, for those of us who are, are um, who have the privilege of being citizens or having full citizenship, mm-hmm. you know, when some policy is okay <clears throat> for one group of people, it really makes it okay for, for other groups of people to, like, be at risk for that kind of stuff, too. Like, you know, you're some kind of status or fit some kind of category, so that means you you know get deported or you don't have the rights to this higher education you know so then you know sooner or later well this little faction of people now you guys are not okay to get these kind of things too and it just you know like uh lowers the bar for everybody like our quality of 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 life our identity is the kind of people you know right we want to be yeah the it, kind of things we stomach it troubles me because i don't i don't know i mean you know this is a country of racial profiling sure and, is and how do you know where anybody is from how do you know who's an immigrant what you going to just start harassing people and once they start talking to you if they have yeah. an accent then you're just gonna violate their privacy and demand to see their identification for I no mean, reason that's other what happened than the with like, sb40 or 70 right in arizona a couple years ago right. oh my gosh or sb 1070 i mean yeah. but, but that's the society we live in where people just judge based on whatever they see and so people judge people's gender or identity or orientation or their race or their ability to wear certain things or do certain things or say certain things just based on like point blank how you like look. how long or what does it take for people to be accepted and accepting in this country you know what it's gonna like take how long does it take how long did it take for your family to be cool like how long has it taken for african-americans like how long does this shit actually take i think the whole Never. shit's gotta i think the lights Pirates. gotta go off and it has to be absolute chaos and the class system needs to be destroyed because it's really you know the the class wars is you know the class war is what's ultimately funding everything else right like it's rich people making money off of privatized prisons like it's ri- like everything like all of this shit boils down to like a handful of people making money so it's not that it's not a race issue or a race war that's what the 99 you know, percent movement 
was about, if y'all remember. Well, yeah. Just I mean, a couple years ago. Every corporation, when you boil it all down, it's owned by like six corporations. Like, every, you know, Whack and Hut, like the people that are making money off of privatized prisons are owned by the same people that own a majority or a stake in all those other giant corporations that you are consuming every fucking day. Mm-hmm. You know? So really, like, you know, why do, you know, if you can make money off of privatized prisons, then there's a real incentive to make sure that people are going to jail. And who's easier to put into jail than people who are already viewed as thugs and criminals and everything else who are already being starved from, like, resources and, you know, everything else. It just makes sense. Yeah. So they continue this, you know, they continue this, this white supremacist, you know, motivation because they're making money when... People fail when people fuck up, when people go to jail, when people succeed. They're making money off of every stage of every human's life. And the people they can't make the money off of, they just imprison to make the money off of them that way. I mean, you know, white supremacy is what allowed Trump to win. It's a it's a very real thing. And, Super. Um, when you, you, you just look at the threatening that they feel of what it is to be white and the and the understanding that is coming out now of what it is to quote unquote be american make america great again who is america who are oh they talking God, about what was it ever america great? is a very specific group of people and we have to reconcile with that right now in the information age like it's it's an ugly truth but come on what is america founded on slavery and genocide right that is what happened in a horrible horrible way and they never apologized fully or even acknowledged it they (laughs) didn't even acknowledge it speaking speaking of people that deny uh horrible histories and extreme racism today in my neighborhood oh no uh, oh my god ward four i saw that no yes what ward four some asshole uh went and like put uh uh propaganda on people's windshield it was a whole sheet of people paper read that in white letters across the top said maga and then it said keep calm repeal daca and then at the bottom of it it had this symbol of a uh from a french military police organization that was um in a in allegiance with nazi germany and um they were like all over our neighborhood uh this morning in uh ward four in the neighborhood of brightwood and i found out about it on facebook at first uh because one of my neighbors had posted about it and tagged me and they were pissed off about it and then sure enough i went outside and i started seeing them um you know so i forgot why i brought this up Oh, because people are shitty and racist. (laughs) Not all of them. I'm really happy now to really see an open white presence that's like, we don't like racism. That's organizing and they have their different names, but they're like, yo, no racism. Because that's big. And shout outs to all of the, the, the white civil rights people that have lost their lives fighting and dying alongside people of color that were not mentioned when history comes to retell John these Brown. things. You know, exactly. Yeah, there's, John there's Brown. A, also, a, a lot, lot of Jewish folks, too. There's yeah. a strong uh, Jewish alliance with African Americans and civil rights it, history. It meant your whole professional life to be in allegiance. Yeah. 
with with people of color or you know their issues so well it's a dangerous game now because you know um the internet is a great place for everybody to have an opinion so yeah i mean yeah that and i don't know i have i've seen white people organize for many things in the history of organization uh, yeah that PETA. true 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 um the uh, save the dolphins. Peter's terrible organization. The, the Albacore tuna. I don't know about Peter like that, but I'm just horrible. Saying, why horrible. are they horrible? It's, it's, it's still. In, I'm just throwing out causes. Why is Peter horrible? They're like a scam. It's like the it's like the Red Cross or United Na- or not United Nations, uh, United <laughs> Way. But that's another thing that white people organized. I'm just talking about large organizations. <laughs> okay, well, have been causes. so, so um, now they're organizing against racism, and that is that's awesome. Good. That's here, good. Because here in Washington D.C., if you're listening yeah. and watching, and you are, um, oh, Caucasian, if you identify as white, um, and and or as Caucasian or Irish or German American or any any form shout out to italians of that italians um and you see what is happening in the country um but you're not sure what to do or like how to get involved there are some really awesome organizations multicultural organizations where white people are welcome um and yep. have made tremendous incredible uh changes uh for uh working class people uh in working in alliance and in solidarity with people of color here in the district of columbia uh in dc we're very fortunate to have a lot of organizations that uh really care and you know even though sometimes we do say dc is fucked this place sucks sometimes it's it's you know uh corrupt and it's the same old shit little ass when town. you when it's you go America. when you go outside of dc like shit is really different we have it really good here actually like shit is really progressive here so i want to shout out to um, the washington peace center um we've talked about them before but they're a great organization i think it's washingtonpeacecenter.org um i think that's a really good hub where people can go and learn about what they're doing in terms of anti-war and anti-racism trainings and uh peaceful protests you know demonstrations like they train people how to get involved peacefully um and they connect people with uh, other organizations who are working on um stopping police violence on ending homelessness on affordable housing on fair wages like they and they have this amazing calendar on their website where they let you know what organizations are doing what what actions what speeches what protests are happening so um if you're new to dc um or even if you've been in dc for a long time and you just you know have no idea the washington peace uh, center is a great place to start that's awesome to get involved yeah. thank you uh, yeah i'd also like to say you know um for those that are not identifying as a person of color or who are able to pass <laughs> in 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 certain times silence white silence is consent and there's so many things that you're able to do and say in you will not have the same ramifications or repercussions as if a person of color were to do those things. Shout out to that video of that chick 
that whooped that racist lady's ass yeah. like for real if that had been a woman a black woman no the cops would have treated it completely differently but when he got there on the scene and saw that that was what happened it was you use your privilege use your position or whatever use your voice to say something i see so many different videos where there's all these people around and nobody's saying anything we have all got to speak up everybody has mm-hmm. to speak up when it comes to a moment of racism and things of that nature we you have to speak up and i i do understand you know um i think that now is a time we're in a time where we all have to go and look within to deal with all of our different issues that we all are facing you know as a as a woman of color period just within women of color and then as a person of color within our men and women within our community to just as washingtonian with everybody who lives here in the city but understanding that there's things i can say woman to woman that if a man were to say it'd be a completely different reaction you, you can't even have that conversation you can't even say these things you can't it's just it just won't work so we have to look at dealing within within mm-hmm. our communities and in having these conversations and checking people in ways absolutely uh, and around immigration too because especially in uh in the black community or in caucasian communities that have been here for generations you know there we have forgotten what it is like to be new here Mm -hmm. um and uh you know sometimes our families uh even though Mm -hmm. we are progressive like not everyone in our families are on that same uh love tip and so you know you can also have conversations within your family about respecting everyone's dignity no matter where they are from um and reminding them that we did not always come from here too you know no, unless you're Native American, unless you're part of Jay Mills's family, <laughs> um, you were you did you you were not here originally. So we are all immigrants. Man, we're all citizens of the earth, yo. Right. Word to the Silk Road, man. <laughs> Supposed to be traveling around, singing songs of my people, exchanging spices and textiles. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do. Yes, yes. I'm get my shit, man. Well, I'm gonna help you, J. Mills. <laughs> I I think that's a good um, (laughs) transition for business (laughs) in some way. Yeah. (laughs) Who's who are we shouting out this week? Who's been a good business? We got any spice businesses up in this piece? (laughs) Some spice businesses. (laughs) Well, Rito Loco across the street just opened their rooftop bar. El Teco. In fact, we can go there after this. Yes. Do they have good spices? Yes. (laughs) They have great tacos and great tequila. All right, Rito Loco. Where are they located uh directly across the street from here uh right by the howard theater yes. on florida avenue and why are they dope because they're awesome it's danny and louis loco and they they work super hard and they have a great product and they're great business neighbors and they have a rooftop deck and, and they have a rooftop deck. <laughs> they have a rooftop deck and tacos did we mention they have a rooftop deck honestly they had me at tacos <laughs> but it helps that they're also awesome but actually, that's not who I wanted to shout out. I just snuck that one in. All right. Who else Who else is a dope business? So uh, for our, our DC local shout out, uh, definitely want to show some serious love to We Act Radio out yes. of Southeast. Yes. Come on. That's right. Uh, he, um, come on. Ex- exactly. So he uh, the, the studio was broken into. Yeah. About a week ago or maybe a week and a half I think ago. It was like 2 weeks ago, yeah. 
and uh, they came in and they they did some serious damage, you know. Um, and they took a bunch of stuff, and they definitely uh, they they kneecapped them. They weren't able to, you know, continue. And they put up a GoFundMe for fifteen grand, and they hit it in like two hours. Yes, exactly. So shout out to DC. Yes, you know for actually giving a fuck That's prior Ill. to some people's beliefs and that constant is black excellence, right yeah. there. What? But it only gets better, Nikki, because then they said. Well, 15 gets us back in the game, but not really because we need to get a security system. So yeah. they upped it to 25 and, they and hit 28 that. within 48 yes. hours. Yo, that is so beautiful. It is super that's beautiful. A, that's 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 one love. It's super reassuring, that's isn't beautiful. it? beautiful. Yes. Manifest destiny. Manifest destiny. And so it's great. And so actually, you know, now we act as getting more... Uh, acknowledgement and visibility than before and people really stepped up and people who didn't even know about the station before donated and so it's really a great thing to see the community come together mm-hmm. and everyone was very supportive whether they get, could give a financial donation or not that's great and I think that's awesome and uh, shout out to the founder as you mentioned who also founded the Black Love Festival Kamone uh, founded that? Yes, yeah. in, in 1997. Oh my God, Kamone doesn't even look that old. Shout out to Eternal Black You. Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we got to tag him in this so he can sit and listen to this and smile real big. <laughs> no yes. Go ahead, J Mills. Let him know. We're talking about how beautiful he is. Mr. Freeman. So, yeah, yes. so uh, the 20 year anniversary is that of that as well. And then also the 20 year anniversary, shout out to Joseph Munch. Uh, for the Word. movement was, sessions, yes. the longest running open mic night in DC awesome. started at Bar None. What? Oh, wow! Blast <laughs> from the past. Wow! Bar. Can we just thank you, Munch? Can we just take thank a moment you, to just Bar None moment? You know what I mean? Yes, yes. That's where I got my start, man. One bulb in the ceiling, brick walls, Bar None. You know. Wow. You can't you can't live in DC like and for years and not have a, yeah. at least one, one bar, bar none story. story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to be a bartender at Cafe Nima, like three doors down. Oh shit, I love that place. Yeah. I was so sad when it closed. Me too. People would come in yeah. and see me and then look around and be like, "Where's Ibrahim?" <laughs> <laughs> sell the place like no it's i'm just here on saturdays it's okay. like, Who's this white girl? who is this girl <laughs> it's like house music playing and hip-hop it was great i love that place but uh wow. but yeah shout out to barnum but shout out to joseph munch because it is also the 20 year anniversary of the movement sessions the longest it running. is i performed 10 years ago at the lincoln theater at the 10 year look at that so shout out wow. to uh, the movement to wow. organizations dc culture man well, and you know what? I would like to give a shout out to anybody that does anything to support DC culture because a lot of times it's easy to sit and talk about what doesn't exist. You know, I, I've had at least mm. four conversations in the last week about why people from DC that like made some money or notoriety in music didn't um, stay or come Left. back or start a label. You know, you go to Atlanta, you go to other cities and cats yeah. made some money and started labels and started studios and started yeah. distribution, like, you know, channels and things. And that's why you have a lot more music, like, being played in the clubs and more support. And DC doesn't really have that, you know what I mean? And so I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, Def Jam, you know what I mean? Like, Russell Simmons, like, they didn't create that platform because it already existed they created it because it didn't exist. So shout out to anybody that's doing anything for the culture, 
like the Black Love Festival, like the Movement Sessions, like We Act Radio, like the Eminem Show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bl- 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 and like both the of real you. J. Mills. <laughs> exactly. Like, like Nikki. Tiger Swan Timeless. Exactly. So shout out to, you know, anybody. If you're, you know, if you, you think something is missing and you're neighborhood or in your social circle or whatever it is and you you feel this quality thing is not there create it yeah create it don't be mad at th- that it doesn't exist create it because build it build it you know yeah. chris and i my husband and i were just talking about that this morning after we you know saw the flyers in our neighborhood right. you know we'd been talking we've been talking for a couple of years about uh doing some kind of festival community festival in tacoma um they have the tacoma jazz fest but like there's this huge right behind coolidge high school this huge community center and these huge fields this beautiful park and it's so underutilized and you know whenever we go up to new york or something there's always something happening in the parks there and it's like yo it would just be so awesome if there was more music here more vendors more stuff for kids you know and so um wow that really made a difference so we uh you know i think we're gonna move forward and plan something around love um and have some vendors and have some awesome local artists and just do it well maybe maybe it's time to connect with the kimon and go you know talk about the black love festival or you know pair together you know it's um you know, you have to support the things that you love, right? You know, we all know that as people who create things, you know. Congratulations to Jay Mills on her upcoming business shower. Oh, our. Yeah. And Lee's <laughs> signing. Yes, you know what? Let's talk about that, ladies. Yeah. Shout out to you two for I, making that happen. Yeah. So well, I'm going to pass this to Jay because Jay is the person that found this incredible space sweet jay <laughs> yes <laughs> don't um, be shy girl man um manifest destiny Shout that's I, that. that's the thought for the day that's that's going to be the metaphysical mm-hmm. message yes for later but um i had always wondered what was upstairs at this you know, abandoned strip mall, or whatever. I'm, I'm glad that I chose to go up the that escalator and see that it was just this abandoned little slice of a strip mall. And um, the leasing agent who managed the building had before suggested to me that I lease a space inside because I had asked her several times to use the parking lot and use different parts to to stage for different fundraisers that I've been doing starting two years ago so um, I did the math and the rent was less than what I would be spending to do events when I look at how much it costs to front the bar guarantee hoping that people drink enough so that I can get my money back or um, all the other monies that have to be spent to do the event um, whether it's the food or whatever the cost that's around it you know um so yeah got this spot it's been months in the working of it trying to get this lease down um the building is supposed to be demolished and redeveloped and um so we're just gonna be rocking it out until next summer 
there's a possibility that we can have a space through the construction, but um, it's a pretty massive redevelopment that that's going to be occurring. So shout out to Rhode Island Avenue right there off 4th and Rhode Island. So, wait, so where is that exactly? Give us a landmark. Is that by uh, like a... Uh, Foreman Mills. Foreman McDonald's, Mills with the dope ass graffiti wall behind. Yes. yes. That's exactly yes. that. That strip mall. Also right off yeah. the yeah. MBT. Shout yes. out to Bike Life. Right off yes. the MBT. Yes. Right off the Rhode Island Word. Avenue Metro Station. Yes. And across that dope bridge. Yes. We have some awesome photo shoots there. Awesome. Yes. But yeah, what's the address? What is it? 6... 680 Rhode Island Avenue. Rhode Island Avenue. Yes. It's that strip mall right by the Popeyes and the Foreman Mills right. and the Save-A-Lot and that mm-hmm. McDonald's. And and when does it uh, when's it going to be your grand opening? The business shower is on September the 30th and I'm inviting all the other business owners that I know to come out and sell your wares. Uh, I, I, when I first walked in there, I mean, just that whole thought of a abandoned mall, like, man, there's so many businesses here. Why is this abandoned? <laughs> yeah, the space is dope. So for people who are just tuning in or wondering, like, what are we doing in an abandoned mall? Like, so much, right? Right. Um, we have access there. First of all, the place is going to be called the Sweet J, right? I mean. the Our little business slice is going to be called the Sweet J. And so J Mills is going to have her business in there. I'm going to have a pop-up business in there. And we're also going to have a hair braiding specialist in there too so just gonna be like three super fly chicks um and uh doing three different things and then we have access to the whole mall so we're gonna turn this mother out so tell us a little bit about uh your business that you're going to be hosting inside of uh sweet (laughs) jay So, uh, as you know, I have the company, The Green Life, where I do cannabis education classes. So I'm happy that I finally have my own private office in in a private building that is the headquarters for members to come and take these classes in a safe and secure environment. And what kind of classes are you going to be offering um, with the green life, we have all sorts of classes that deal around, uh, holistic living, sustainable life and, uh, medicinal cannabis knowledge, um, knowledge of growing, cultivating, uh, consumption. And most specifically, I really like to get into the mental health of it in terms of being able to self-medicate and understand why you're choosing this therapy, whether it's for physical needs or mental. Um, So just providing a space for that, for us to do consultations. I have another company, GGC, Good Greenery Consultants, where um, we supply you with uh, five clones and a one-on-one crash course in in growing. That's dope. And um, literally, (laughs) (laughs) so um, that's what I'll be doing out of the space. But, you know, for me, having that uh, that crazy common area, I'm so looking forward to the business shower. Um, I'm looking forward to the Halloween party. I'm looking forward to the Thanksgiving feast. The Thanksgiving feast, I'm putting it out there right now. And I'm hollering at all the dopest chefs that I know to come out there. And it'll be like a cool taste of D.C. type of experience. Just tasting um, a bunch of stuff. Let's get our feast on. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Holiday. 
Yeah, so uh, it's going to be called The Sweet J. Yeah. And uh, you can find the real J Mills there. You, you can find me there. I will have Tiger Swan Timeless uh, Satellite Office there where I will have uh, select merchandise, uh, crowns, furs, jumpsuits, dope sunglasses, um, and some other fly accessories. Um, and uh, portrait studio space available. And uh, yeah, you can come shop. Come get a mini consultation, style consultation with me and learn more about what I do. And then uh, what is who who's the uh, third business who's going to be with us? Senna Styles. You can catch her on Instagram. She got a couple thousand, tens of thousands of followers because her braids are amazing. I'm Come fully excited. washed and blow dried out and she will hook you up. Yes. So more details to come as we open. Um, we'll be inviting people to our many parties and events, fashion shows, feasts, vending opportunities. It's a really dope space, y'all. We're excited to open it up. I'm thankful to know Mills and that she is a local person that lives in that neighborhood that kn- knew about the opportunity. Um, so we can build some, uh, some, some DC culture and uh, support each other as small entrepreneurs, um, as people of color, as women uh, trying to build business, become sustainable and not be slaves to the man (laughs) or to anybody. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, that was a big business shout out. We got a lot of awesome businesses and people, entrepreneurs uh, here in the District of Columbia. We're really excited um, every week to keep shouting out more businesses so that you, the viewers, can learn about the best places to go and support, um, you know, and uh, feel good about how you're spending your dollars. So with that... I think it's time to get metaphysical. Metaphysical. Physical. Metaphysical. Oh, man. <clears throat> One love. Take it home, J-Mills. Take it yes, home. Yes, man. I, I said before that today's metaphysical moment was going to be on manifest destiny. Yes, I. You know, I love this quote by Erica Badu where she says, I realized, uh, someone asked, when did you realize you were God? And she said, well, I was praying and I realized I was talking to myself. Mm. <laughs> yes. I love Erica Badu. I know. And that, that's facts right there. You are connected to the most high divine life for spirit knowledge of the all at all times you personally as long as you live which is forever (laughs) and in manifest destiny understanding the power of your mind is that if you think you can you can if you think you can't you can't and it's that simple it sounds so cliche life will throw all types of shit your way it'll make you feel like it's impossible to think that you can but trust and believe if you think you can you can that is the difference between those that do and those that don't those that achieve success and those that just talk shit about those that achieve success 
everybody has haters in the past in the path of greatness that that's what will come we live in a realm of relativity where it has to be relative for you to truly have understanding and experience we come our spirit comes from a place of absolute where there is nothing relative the sun never sets once you leave this earth it's just there it just shines what is night what is hot what is cold in space it will freeze and burn you is it hot is it cold who knows it's like we we only in earth does does this even matter mm. and yet we doubt ourselves we doubt our dreams we doubt what we can do but manifest destiny is real you you think these things you dream these things you want these things you write it down claim it and it is yours what you have for you is for you it's it's meant to be i I love to think about the parable of walking on water and the moment the disciples started to look down that's when he started to drown because that's what doing the impossible is you are the impossible the moment you were born you were impossible and life is not a given it's a gift <laughs> you have you are doing the impossible every time you do something you start to look down and you will start to drown so manifest destiny the fact that you're looking down means that you are doubting you're looking down trying to figure out how there is no reason why it is what it is it just accepted being that's what it is to be human being we're not a human is stop looking for what is because it's deeper than that manifest destiny that's my metaphysical message for the day yes yes <laughs> thank you jay mills to all the dreamers out there too yeah think it believe yes. it see it to all the people who want a better america like vision it talk it dream it write it down it does matter create that manifest energy that destiny and don't give up the story what did mlk say like the the arch is long to justice or y'all know what i'm talking about anyway but i I don't know the quote keep it up keep it up (laughs) keep it up manifest destiny thank you thank you this has been show (laughs) thanks for tuning in y'all we'll see you next time (laughs) thank you